Welcome to The Vampire Squid, a podcast about increasing transparency and education in finance. This is your host, Alan Lee, and welcome to episode 46 of The Vampire Squid. Today we have a super interesting episode. It's on trading precious metals, including gold and silver. And I've always been very interested in how trading gold and trading silver actually works. So I invited Peter Hug, who is a expert in trading precious metals since the 1970s. Today's conversation, I think, is very intriguing and uh, eye-opening for me. And I hope it's a good learning experience for you all in case you're interested in learning a little bit more about using gold or silver and other precious metals as a hedge to your portfolio um, or just adding it into your current portfolio. So. As always, if you guys have any questions, comments, suggestions, please feel free to reach out to me at alan, A-L-A-N, at thevampiresquid.com, and please check out my Facebook page, facebook.com slash thevampiresquid. So I hope that you guys enjoy, and without further ado, here is Peter. So welcome to The Vampire Squid. I've on a very special guest today with me. It's Peter Hug, and Peter, thanks so much for coming on to the show. Uh, pleasure, Alan. So, Peter, would you uh, give a quick background on who you are and uh, you know what you focus on, um, so our listeners have a little bit of a background? Uh, well, my current position, I'm the uh, director of trading for uh, Kitco Metals, a company that is a uh, precious metals online retailer uh, and wholesaler uh, in uh, gold, silver, platinum, palladium, and uh, rhodium. I've been in the business uh, since 1973. Uh, I started in the business in, in the foreign exchange arena, uh, trading foreign exchange for a bank uh, from 73 through uh, 77. And then in 77, I joined a bank uh, in Toronto, Canada, that uh, not only offered foreign exchange, but also offered precious metals. Uh, so I was fortunate enough to be in the uh, first precious metals rush uh, of 1980 when gold hit 850 and silver went up to $50 an ounce. And been in the business uh, for the most most of my life. I took a hiatus in '92 through '98, uh, uh, doing something different, uh, and then rejoined uh, the precious metals market in uh, uh, with Kitco in 2010 uh, as the director of uh, the trading operations. That's great. And just for people that don't have too much experience trading precious metals, um, I think usually we think of it as in contrarian to how the stock market's going to perform. So if we think the stock market's going down, it might be a good idea to invest in, say, gold or, or silver. Is that is that generally a correct way to think about it, or how how do you think about it? Uh, well, you know that if you looked at the history from 2008, that would be uh, an inaccurate way of looking at uh, at gold. Uh, I mean, uh, from 2008, when we had the financial crisis and the uh, the Fed started to drop interest rates to zero, you had a scenario where both the uh, equity markets and the precious metals markets uh, rose at the same time. Mm-hmm. It's not generally uh, a trend uh, uh, that that is uh, compatible. Uh, they do tend to, to work opposite each other. Uh, a lot of uh, precious metals investors tend to uh, view uh, gold or silver as as a as sort of a safe haven play or as a hedge against the balance of their portfolio. Should uh, you know, should we run into either geopolitical risks, uh, risks inflation, or potentially uh, issues such as we had in two thousand and eight with the equity market? Got it. Say I was to think about learning more about gold or these other precious metals and don't have much experience in it. How, what is what is the first step to, to understanding how gold trades or how silver trades or, or what did you do um, 
to start picking up your experiences and, and learnings on it? Well, you know, the precious metals are, are unique uh, as an investment class. So there's really no place you can go and take a course like you can, uh, you know, for equities uh, or commodities in general when you're trading the futures markets. Uh, you know, equities, you can take your securities courses. Uh, in Canada, it's called a security course. In, in the U.S., uh, you have various designations uh, if you're trading securities. Uh, there is a commodities course, which is just a general course to teach people how to trade on the futures market. But, you know, investing in, in gold and silver, especially in the physical side, there's really, uh, you know, no course you can take. It's really a matter of learning by the seat of your pants. And a lot of investors that are interested in, in, in investing in precious metals, uh, they either take the time uh, to uh, go to conferences and, and listen to, quote, so-called experts on, you know, what, where, and when the markets are going to move and which direction they're going to move in. Um, some sites such as Kitco, um, we, we offer sort of a unique service. Uh, you know, clients are obviously able to come into us and buy or sell precious metals. Uh, but our primary site, Kitco.com, is, uh, one of the most, uh, if not the most, uh, uh, looked at, uh, site for information on precious metals. Uh, it's very balanced. Uh, we're not there uh, telling people gold is going to $5,000 an ounce. Uh, we have uh, analysts that are bearish and, and bullish uh, posting their views on the site on a daily basis. We get about a million unique hits to that site every day. So it's basically an educational site as to where people think the market is going to go. It doesn't really give a lot of information relative how you invest in precious metals, but it does give you uh, insights as to what the experts think the markets are going to do. Mm -hmm. and, and what is gold and silver trading at right now? And what is the denominator that you measured in typically? Well, metals, uh, like most commodities, are, are uh, quoted against the U.S. dollar. Uh, gold, uh, after Friday's... Uh, Open uh, was as high as $1,252 an ounce against U.S. dollars and uh, closed in around the 1244 level. Uh, silver traded as high as uh, 1780 and as low as 1750 on Friday and closed at 1775 per ounce. So silver is actually more expensive than gold currently? No, no, $17.75 an ounce and gold is $1,244.45 an ounce. Got it, got it. And so... Say I'm to start looking at gold prices now, um, and I and I look at the historical trends a little bit. How do I think about forecasting gold prices? What what are the, some of the levers and the drivers that um, impact gold and, and silver prices the most? Historically, gold. Uh, if you take if you take the geopolitical equation out of it, which uh, which most times you cannot because there are issues that develop uh, most of the time. Uh, they surprise the market uh, where you have situations on a geopolitical level. I'll give you an example that might be a geopolitical catalyst for moving gold higher over the uh, over the near term uh, would be potentially the North Korean issue. Uh, if that uh, you know escalates and uh, you know the, the, it, it tends to become more. Uh, Aggressive from a, from the American perspective, uh, then I think you you have people uh, or investors and mutual fund managers moving into gold basically as a hedge against that geopolitical risk. From a strictly uh, fundamental uh, perspective, gold really does take its cue from the value of the U.S. dollar and where interest rates are. Uh, gold is basically a non-earning uh, asset, so if interest rates are are low uh, and inflation is low. 
you have a situation where uh, where gold basically uh, the holding cost of gold is relatively inexpensive, and then depending on the macro issues, uh, you know where the uh, where the equity markets are going to go, uh, what potentially is happening again from a geopolitical uh, perspective, uh, that then drives the gold price. In a situation where you have an economy that is uh, relatively robust and you have interest rates uh, on an upward slope, assuming no geopolitical risks in the background, that tends to be a negative. Uh, headwind for for the precious metals uh, because as you get higher interest rates in the U.S., for example, you're going to have capital flows moving from other currencies into the U.S. dollar from a yield perspective, and in that context, the U.S. dollar will strengthen, which is generally a negative headwind for the precious metals complex. So it's very tied to the U.S. economy and U.S. inflation and U.S. interest rates. Is that is that correct? That's correct. I mean, you know, uh, there is sort of a myopic view that, uh, you know, everything happens in North America, specifically in the United States. It's not necessarily true. Uh, when, uh, you know, we had the Cyprus issue a few years back, uh, the Europeans aggressively bought gold. So, you know, there the are... Cyprus there are, issue? Could you expand a little bit on that? When, uh, when the banks in Cyprus basically, uh, you know, basically clipped all depositors of uh, 70% of their deposits uh, when uh, Cyprus was in, uh, in default mode, uh, that... Fear sort of sprung over into potentially uh, what would happen in Greece, Italy, Spain when there was that issue that the eurozone might implode because of the financial situation of those countries with their debt. So you have a, a significant buying uh, uh, populace in the European theater that is very, uh, very enamored towards gold. The Europeans have a long memory and, you know, they've gone through some, obviously, besides World War II, uh, they've had some serious issues going all the way back into the 1920s when Germany had hyperinflation. So the, uh, the Europeans have a long memory and whenever they feel uncomfortable, they tend to gravitate towards gold much more so than the North Americans that have been relatively insulated from those types of events. Interesting. And so say I'm a 25-year-old thinking about starting my investment portfolio and uh, potentially looking at precious metals, gold, and silver. What do you typically think that around millennials, what do they allocate towards precious metals or what should they allocate towards precious metals? Uh, again, you know, what, what I ask people, and uh, ever since I've been in this business, I've had, uh, you know, multitudes of people ask me, should I buy gold? I always ask them what their motivation is as to why they're buying gold. And, you know, the psychology of a gold investor, uh, not so much on the millennial side, but, uh, you know, sort of my group, uh, my age group, say between the age of 50 and 70, uh, they have a different psychology as to why they're investing in gold. Uh, the millennials don't have the same uh, fear uh, that, uh, the, the older generation has in the sense that, you know, the government is going to implode, uh, the government is going to ban gold ownership, uh, the economic, uh, the economic uh, system is going to collapse. Uh, you know, they, they tend to be a bit more optimistic. Uh, so they're, they're not in the category uh, that I call sort of the, the end of worlders uh, that, that do believe, you know, Armageddon is coming and they buy gold and it doesn't matter at what price they pay for it because they believe gold is going to be at five or $10,000 an ounce somewhere down the road. Uh, from a millennial perspective, uh, I consider gold, uh, if you're going to buy gold, uh, I would buy gold uh, from the perspective of just adding it as a part of a balanced portfolio. Uh, you know, you, you hear people, um, talking heads all the time saying, you know, the number, uh, 10% of your portfolio should be in gold. 
the number doesn't isn't that relevant. You know, whether it's five or ten or fifteen percent, whether it's in mining shares or whether it's in ETFs or whether it's in physical gold, what these talking heads always fail to add to that sentence is that you need to balance your portfolio on a regular basis. So let's assume you, you buy precious metals more as a hedge against the balance of your portfolio should something go wrong, inflation take off, uh, an issue like 2008 arises again. What you want is have having that precious metals position in your portfolio as, as a hedge to some degree the balance of your portfolio. But what you need to do is you need to rebalance that portfolio. So to give you an example, had you bought gold in uh, 2008 at $800 an ounce, and let's assume you use the uh, the metric of uh, 10% uh, allocation towards your portfolio. In 2011, when gold hit $1,900, uh, when you looked at your portfolio, that 10% of your gold holding would probably now look closer to maybe 18%. You know, in that context, you need to sell 8% of your gold. Vice versa, had you been sort of caught up in the hype and bought in 2011 at $1,900 an ounce, and you know now gold's trading at $1,200 an ounce, uh, your portfolio position or your hedge position in gold maybe represents five or six percent of your portfolio. In that context, you need to buy for it uh, to get you back up to ten. So you always want to stay balanced, but if you do it that way, you'll tend to add to your gold positions. Uh, when the market is softer and you'll tend to liquidate your, uh, uh, your excess gold positions when the market is uh, approaching a high. So if you, if you treat it as a balanced portfolio, uh, then, you know, having five to 10% of your assets in, in gold, uh, makes sense. Got it. That's helpful. And do you think that gold is a good long-term investment strategy or is it more used for just hedging, uh, as, as you previously mentioned? You know, I, you know, gold's as good as, uh, as IBM as far as I'm concerned. There's times you want to be aggressive in the market and there's times you want to be less aggressive. You know, people say that, you know, gold is, is, is always going higher. Well, you know, talk to somebody that bought gold in 2011 at $1,900 and you're going to have an argument. I mean, uh, you know, back in, uh, 1980, gold hit $850 an ounce and from that high, uh, went down and never, never hit that high again until almost 2007. So, you know, to, just to say buy gold, it's always going to go higher, uh, is not the right way uh, to look at gold. You look at gold uh, or silver as as an investment that at times is extremely good. And at times uh, where, you know, the, the macro events that, that are surrounding the investment suggest that the price is either going to go sideways or lower. So you want to lighten up in, in you know, in those times. Uh, but to make a blanket statement that you always buy gold and it'll always make you money, in my opinion, is, is just erroneous. Interesting. It, are you able to short gold as well? You are, but only uh, only in the futures market, or you could do it in the options market as well by buying a put. But in the futures market, you can uh, you can short a contract. Uh, uh, you have to put up an initial margin and a maintenance margin. Obviously, if you're wrong and the price goes higher as you're shorting gold, uh, the broker will call you for margin along the same lines as shorting a stock. Got it. What are your thoughts on the next three years, next three to five years on how gold or silver will be performing? If Trump executes on his plan and, 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 and is able to achieve, uh, the growth that he is forecasting and, uh, the U.S. economy, uh, the engine of the U.S. economy starts to, to, to grow, I think the Federal Reserve in that scenario over the next two or three years will be on an upward slope 
uh, with their interest rates, which I think will be a headwind for gold. The issue I have with Trump's plan is the credibility of the plan. And, and the reason I have the issue is as follows. I mean, obviously, uh, with a Republican majority, he couldn't even get his own uh, majority to pass the uh, the health care vote uh, yesterday, which is a signal that, you know, he may not have the strength or the, the credibility that he believes he has. But let's assume he does. Uh, you know, he wants to spend a trillion dollars on infrastructure. He wants to cut taxes from 35. He wants to go to 15. But even if you go to 20 percent, I'm just unsure as to how he is going to pay for this. And you have the U.S. coming up to a debt ceiling in June um, where they're going to need an act of Congress to increase that debt ceiling. So Trump's plan is I'm going to spend all this money. And because the way I'm spending this money, it's going to create a GDP in the U.S. of 4 percent. And with that GDP at 4%, uh, the economy is going to be so strong that the tax revenues we're going to generate from this new growth uh, is going to more than offset the, the capital cost of paying for these programs. Uh, highly unlikely that we're ever going to get to 4% in uh, GDP growth in the U.S. I just think the, uh, the demographics and technology will prevent that. But uh, that aside... What he's going to be asking uh, the Republican Party is to, you know, put another trillion dollars in the budget deficit uh, with the anticipation that that trillion dollars will be more than offset with future growth. I have serious doubts whether he'll get something like that passed. And if he doesn't, uh, then I think the, you know, the U.S. economy is going to be mired in, you know, one and a half, two percent growth for the next two or three years, which indicates to me that the Federal Reserve will probably be less aggressive with raising interest rates. And that, I think, should be a tailwind for precious metals over the next two or three years. So, yeah, I can't give you, uh, it's going to do this. I can tell you it'll do this if this, if this happens. But I, I am highly skeptical on, on whether or not, uh, uh, you know, Trump is going to be able to pull off, uh, you know, some of his, uh, future initiatives, uh, with full support from, uh, from the Congress. And if he doesn't get it done by at the end of this year, uh, you're running into midterms in 2018, and then he risks the possibility of the Democrats uh, gaining um, gaining seats and then losing his majority. And, and at that point, then you have uh, a government that's not going to be able to do anything. So there's a there's a lot of risks coming up. And again, on the geopolitical side, uh, uh, North Korea is is a real potential issue unless uh, you know China steps up to the plate and intervenes here. I think that's a, a very fair answer. I, I don't know if anyone really even knows uh, how to sort of predict the market for the next few years, given the Trump administration. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really it's it's really a coin flip right now. And uh, so, tell me a little bit more about Kitco and you know what you do there. Well, Kitco's been around since uh, 1977. Uh, the owner of the company, when he got into the business, started the business uh, from a refining uh, perspective. Uh, he uh, did business with the jewelers, uh, bought most of the scrap metal from the jewelers, then sent it to uh, the Royal Canadian Mint, uh, the primary refiner in Canada, and uh, basically uh, made a spread on on the uh, purchase from the jewelers and the sale of the precious uh, of the scrap to the Royal Canadian Mint, and, and built up his business that way. In '96, uh, he uh, was the first precious metals dealer in North America to to go online. Uh, and offer precious metals uh, through the internet. So we we are a significant dealer of physical precious metals in North America. We have uh, operations in Montreal, New York, and in Hong Kong as well. We uh, we have a fairly significant operation in Hong Kong for the Chinese market. 
So that's one of our primary sort of pillars is the, the buying and selling of physical precious metals. Uh, we also do significant amounts of refining uh, scrap, uh, generally from the wholesale market, not so much from the retail uh, perspective. Uh, and we also have a media division, uh, which is Kitco.com, uh, uh, where uh, we uh, we believe are the premier site for precious metals-related news uh, on a global basis. So those are our three pillars. Got it. That's that's very cool. And you are you seem to be a content contributor and provide some investment advice on, on gold and other precious metals on the site. So uh, my listeners, if they want to get a little bit more information about um, you know your experiences and in, in your investment advice, they can go to this site. Yeah, I tend to write a blog every morning. Well, a blog would be a little bit aggressive, a, a commentary every morning, uh, very short and mostly oriented towards traders. I, I try to give them uh, my my feelings for the day. Uh, again, I'm very short term oriented when I when I speak to traders, uh, try to give them levels of where I uh, expect the markets to trade during that day and where I expect and why I expect that to happen. Uh, you know, if there's any news or, or macro events occurring, um, then uh, about once every week or 10 days, uh, we have a little show call for Pete's sake uh, where our uh, our primary producer, Daniela Camboni, uh, uh, does interviews and uh, she interviews me on uh for about 15 minutes on what's happened or what is about to happen in the market in my perspective on what I think will will affect the precious metals prices. Great. So uh, I'll definitely include a link to your website and um, the Kitco website with some of your uh, investment articles and advice. But um, I, I know that we're running a little bit short on time now, but if uh, you could leave my listeners with you know maybe one piece of advice, um, you know what what would you say to them? Don't get caught up on, in the hype. I mean, when, when somebody tells you, uh, uh, you know, that gold's going to $5,000 an ounce, uh, and not that it might not go to $5,000 an ounce, or if, you know, somebody says buy gold, look at the motivation behind why they're telling you this. Uh, you know, most precious metals dealers, uh, make money because they sell precious metals. It's really not in their interest to be bearish. Uh, you know, it's like, you know, being a shoe seller and uh, and telling people, you know, it doesn't make any sense to wear sho- shoes. You should go barefoot. I mean, if, if you're selling shoes, you want people to wear shoes. Most precious metals dealers are biased. Uh, they're very rarely negative the market. Uh, they're always bullish. And gold is like any other investment. There are times when you can be bullish the market, and there are times when you want to stand aside, and there are times when you want to be bearish. So. What I would recommend is, you know, whether it's Kitco.com or or other sites that may provide uh, analysis or commentary, is read read as much as you can and try to get as much of a balanced perspective on on what the market thinks, and then from there make your decision. But you know, don't get caught up by going to a conference and some guy getting up and saying, you know, the world's coming to an end. I've heard the story since '79. The world is coming to an end. Uh, and, you know, these guys are still around today saying the world is coming to an end. And, you know, maybe one day it will come to an end and the economic system will collapse. But, you know, to uh, to be aggressive in the precious metals market on that premise, I think, is 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 naive. Uh, I think you need to approach precious metals the way you look at any other investment. You look at the, uh, the dynamics of why uh, you want to be in the market and whether or not this price point makes sense to you. And uh, if you're uncomfortable, just like you would with a stock, you put a stop loss in, and uh, if you're wrong on your call, cut your losses. Got it. That I think that's very sound advice. And um, Peter, thanks so much again for coming on to the show. Alan, my pleasure. 
So thanks so much for listening to the episode with Peter today on trading precious metals, including gold and silver. And I hope that was informative for you guys because it was very informative for me. Um, and today's interview is only one episode long. Please feel free to reach out at alan, A-L-A-N, at thevampiresquid.com and check out my Facebook page, facebook.com slash thevampiresquid. Hope everyone has an awesome week. Ciao.